Hello folks, welcome to the Growing Our Future podcast where we talk to folks in the educational, health, and environmental sectors and what they're doing to make our community a more sustainable, healthy, and high-quality place for all. Today, this is the Aspen edition. We are in Aspen, Colorado, and I am with one of the Healthy Community Fellows, Jamar Hill with Gamers, Nike, RBI Alaska. Uh, I've known Jamar for the past few months through this fellowship opportunity. Jamar, it's just been a great honor to, to know you and get to learn a little bit about the work you're doing, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I was thrilled. Uh, we met each other in the courtyard this morning for breakfast, and you wanted to get this going. I thought it was perfect. I mean, just alone, just to have the time to connect with everything going on because there's so many smart people, so many people like worthy of collaborating with, but I appreciate it. A little background. I'm the founder of Gamers Nike RBI Alaska, which is a nonprofit supporting underserved kids through baseball and softball, but our focus in subsidized sports programming and facilities has offered a gateway to offer healthy outcomes, which has led to mental health support, which led to nutrition support, food security solutions, um, just a lot. And, and I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Awesome, awesome. So, again, you're doing some great work, and we want to peel back that onion a little bit. As you're pointing to health, physical activity, sports, there's so many benefits of it from the tangible perspective, but then there's all this intangible components that it can bleed over into. And I think that's what we're seeing from all of the folks that we're meeting here at the Aspen Institute is all of our work is interconnected. Um, but let's go back a little history. Like, what got you into games? Why are you the champion for having kids be physically active doing these uh, different types of sports? Yeah, there's a ton of history behind that. So I, I would say kind of the buzzword for providing access is reaching underserved communities. And I'm definitely somebody who's come from one of those communities you also look at health determinants and, and try to align people for healthy outcomes. Mm -hmm. And when you come from one of those communities, a lot of times you're not aligned with healthy outcomes. But my background is I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. I had a single mom, but I love baseball. And Alaska is not the place for, yeah, for baseball. Yeah, right. That's the last place I would <laughs> yeah. look for. A... And so against all odds, like I, you know, followed it as a passion and I was able to play in college. I was able to play professionally for 10 years. And it, so it's just provided me a lot of lived experience, life experience to help people. But in that experience, and this is something that people aren't really familiar with, I was in the New York Met system and they had a program called service learning. Okay. And what service, service learning, learning was, I like that. yeah, and this got me into community service. And what it was, mm -hmm. was we would go into communities and find the unique challenges of that community. And for me, I was a thin guy, fast metabolism guy. So I was like, I got to just be up early, just, you know, working out, getting a lot of meals on me just to sustain the physicality of that profession. Mm -hmm. And part of what supported that is just, let's just volunteer for stuff. And so an example of service learning would be, I'll use an example of Florida. So in baseball, the training facilities are in Arizona, they're in Florida, the Cactus League, the Grapefruit League. Mm -hmm. In Florida, they have issues with hurricanes. 
that's one thing that can really impact people's quality of life. Another thing, they have high youth obesity rates because it's so hot and so humid in the summertime, kids don't want to go outside. And so what we would do is we'd go into schools, we would educate ourselves about what's everything you need to know about a hurricane to protect your family, and we'd educate kids to take that information back to their family and create a plan to be prepared for a hurricane. Or if it was obesity rates, it would be like, let's teach you about your body, let's teach you about your different muscle systems, how to stretch, about nutrition, all those things. Um, and then, you know, the life of a professional baseball player is fairly insulated. But to just be in the trenches and the meeting, teachers, students, community workers, all those at that stage in life was very inspiring to me. And also sports were very inspired to me, inspiring to me. So I found that it was very integral to communities to combine the two in ways that you really don't see commonly in society today. I wish that would expand. I love it. I love it, man. That's, a, that's amazing. Thank you for sort of shedding some light on that. I, I, you said some two key words to me, the service learning component of it. And it's so amazing what service can inspire people to do, right? Like it was born inside of you to provide that service uh, to your community and then doing it with youth and doing it with communities and doing it with schools, I think is really one of the most powerful ways that we can change and impact our community and inspire those future youth. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So now you've been doing this great work, right, for years and all of a sudden, boom, you're a Healthy Communities Fellow. You know, tell me a little bit about that and, and what has been your experience, you know, enjoying being, we're up here in Aspen, right? Absolutely. Um, before diving into that, I, if, if there's a key point that I can make from anything that I say, it's all born out of the aspect of saying yes. You know, okay. if you're, what do you if mean you're, by that? If you're presented with a challenge, you know, you could look at it as a condition that's overwhelming, a, a challenge that you just don't want to get tangled up in or whatever. And so any benefit of the work I've done, any personal win, any organizational win, all that somehow is rooted into being faced with a challenge and saying yes and to diving into trying to find a solution, even if the solution wasn't a, you know, a clear path or, or an easy solution. But as far as becoming a healthy communities fellow, I would say my journey as a professional baseball player was I always felt that there were people and families in my community that could benefit from sport because it's an industry and it's an organization that's highly incentivized meaning like there's there's profession behind it but on top of that there's scholarships there's other roles you don't have to be a professional baseball player yeah you could be in media you could be in language support you could be in scouting you could be in operations or a business person or an attorney or, or whatever all these roles are there but having lived that i understood that there was a route for me to have my college played for. There was a route for me to travel around the world and meet other people who are still mentors and friends to me today. And so the goal is to go back to Alaska and start a program. And um, at first that was just competitive baseball teams and everything that it, you would assume it would be for kids. Yeah, but being in the middle of that work, I quickly realized like not every kid can access this. Like there's a cost aspect to it. Yeah, there's a cost aspect to it. There's an accessibility aspect to it. There's a lot of things that are restricting kids who realistically look like me and are growing up like me to be able to play the sport. And 
I would say that's the initial catalyst or condition that I was like, this needs to be nonprofit work, right? This isn't something that's gonna you're ever gonna get rich from, but if you do this right, this could have a generational impact for your community. And so that started off as small fundraisers and just things to like target kids who needed the help just to onboard them. But as that started going well, it turned into equipment donations. It turned into, I'd say the most powerful thing is having a voice in certain rooms for kids that, for organizations that just really wanted to act or support underserved kids. But in the city that I live in, Anchorage, Alaska, there's a pretty blatant divide in the town. And we could get into this later. Your town's pretty similar to my town of the haves and have nots. And so I, you know, would go to the power brokers in my city and go, we need infrastructure in the underserved part of town. Like, it's not realistic that we need to cart these kids over to where you're building all these things to support kids. You need to take an interest in doing this there in the community. And um, I think without getting too far into it, aspects of the reality of George Floyd, aspects of the reality of COVID really shed a light on the disparity and accelerated the need for the infrastructure in our community, which has led to, uh, you know, over a million dollar capital campaign, a lot of operational support, and just a lot of momentum to just taking, taking resources, taking services directly to support underserved kids where I live. And where I believe it's innovative, it's, it's a model that could be scaled to a lot of communities. Yeah. Well, the transformative uh, change in power that sports have for a community. I mean, I can just talk about the San Antonio Spurs. We just got the number one pick. Man, it changes your whole outlook, oh, you yeah. know? Like, it's like, damn, we suck. <laughs> but now, okay, we get, we, now we have hope, right? Yeah. So and can that hope actually come into fruition? So just, I think, like gardening, gardening gives you hope. I think sports give people hope yeah. is when we need hope, right, to continue to live day to day. Well, I mean, again, we're Healthy Communities Fellows. You know, y'all came down to San Antonio, and then we went up to Tulsa. You know, here we are in Aspen. Is there anything, you know, we're talking about op-eds. Is there something if you could tell the country or if you could tell the world, like, hey, these are some steps that we could take that we could support to be able to scale that work? Like, what does it really look like to be able to uh, make these changes that you're looking to make? I think that we're at a point in time where there's a tremendous opportunity to change the structure of how sports are run. And I would say the pivot that we made to become a nonprofit was to realize that if you're putting the aspects of sports, which are really born out of recreation and for mental health, for physical health, everybody should have sewn into their life somehow. We can't have that all lay on parents paying enrollment fees. And so to find different health benefits to offer to kids and have those so free sports leagues is what you, one way yeah yeah or just different support you know if it whether it's corporate whether it's grants from foundations sure. whether it's yeah. public find alternate ways to get it funded just to get the kids involved just to get them having the mentoring the yeah having the physical fitness that's very powerful and that's not something that's happening mm-hmm. but there's tremendous opportunity I, I i envision a world where you know a kid signed up for a youth program and out of that they're getting nutrition education. They're getting the physical fitness that they need. They're getting social connection, friendships, all those different things in ways that are healthy and driving them to healthy life outcomes, but in a way that like 
these things are the foundation of this sport even operating Mm -hmm. more so than did we win last weekend's tournament or is this kid, you know, scoring more points than the other kid as an example in sports? Yeah, I think there's a lot of tangible benefits beyond the scoreboard. Absolutely. Right. And so these are going to be lifelong memories. I think a lot of people have, you know, Mm -hmm. from when you're in middle school and high school and when you're a young kid, you know, I think it's very important for us to continue to reduce those barriers, as you're saying. I can remember again, you know, playing in a basketball league and then playing up into college Mm -hmm. as well. And like you're saying, uh, reducing any barriers and allowing people to play also. What do do you think about that? Because sports can become so competitive about winning, which is important. Yeah. But how do we keep the play in sports as well? I just think the social connectedness. I mean, you're using basketball as an example. And I think there's a lot of things in basketball that correlate to the things that I do that you wouldn't innately come to. But if you want to start with play. Yeah. If you want to start with play, there's a lot of outdoor courts, Mm -hmm. you know. And so if you got a group of guys, you got three guys, you got five guys, you want to run full court, you're playing. Here's the social impact of that. For us to even have a game, it's like, Steven, I need you. We can't have this game unless you're there, right? So there's acceptance. I think that's really important in ways that that sports could offer in that regard. I think that I use the analogy all the time with my baseball players, especially the pitchers, because the whole game's designed around finding reliable pitching. I go, hey, think about the life of a basketball player. Somewhere there's a kid shooting free throws over and over again because he knows at some point, his dreams, his goals, all those things is going to rely on one shot, and he wants to make sure that he can deliver in that, mm-hmm. right? That's responsibility, right? And so if I've got pitchers in my baseball leagues, they aren't finding the zone, it's going, you need, if, you, if this is important to you, you got to find the time, right, to really build trust in yourself on how you're going to perform when it really matters. And that's how you build leaders, right? And, and all those lessons are offered in sports. Man, I think that's uh, poetic, you know, what you're, what you're saying and is uh, relevant to everybody. You know, again, our mission with Guardopia is to make people healthier. And so physical activity is really uh, critical in that. And there's so many different ways, right, for you to be physically active. And I think you provide one outlet, which is much needed, right? And so how can we provide as many opportunities and experiences? As we wrap up, you know, how can people find out more about you? Website, social media, any upcoming events, campaigns that you have going? Absolutely. Um, we, our website is rbialaska.legaps.com. I want to give a shout out to the MLB RBI program. It's a national initiative that supports underserved kids, whether in urban or rural communities. They've supported us for about half a decade they offer us a free website, which allows us to, to connect with families. It's been very helpful. Outside of this, you might be listening and being in a community where you got kids you want to support through sports. You could also reach out to them and find out how you could be involved in the program. But that's a good way to reach out to us. We are at the, health, we are at the Aspen Ideas Health convening. There's also an ABCA, American Baseball Coaches Conference, that happens at the beginning of each year. I'm working to align myself to offer some breakout sessions on just fundraising and just, you know, I'm building community around sports at that event. So that's something that's... Where would that be located? That would be off of our website, but to be able to attend that, you would have to attend that conference. So if you're a baseball guy and are looking at, at, you know, growing your program for the right reasons, look for that down the pipeline. 
Well, we're looking forward to continuing these conversations. Um, again, we have about another six months or so left in our fellowship. So uh, after today finishes up, we'll be continuing to see how we can collaborate. Maybe we can get some gardens going in Alaska. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. And one thing before we wrap up, as you say that, um, one of the things that really bonded the two of us is you, when I was in San Antonio, you were a fantastic guide. You took us to your operation there. And right away, I mean, the layout of the neighborhoods you were operating in, it almost mirrored exactly what we were doing. And so that, like, I think as nonprofit leaders, you're, you're constantly trying to tap into an energy source. But just seeing what you were doing was like, you are exactly where you need to be in life with the right people. So, man, I just appreciate, appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Definitely. Well, y'all, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time on the Growing Our Future podcast. Till next time. Got an appetite for flavor and an appetite for change. If you need a couple pointers, I can get you some help. And then I see you on the Cause you need some milk. Living your road with some big dreams. About to make it big on the big screen. Don't pay attention to that TV. Cause fake food ain't what you need. Come on the house, let us shop it up. That's been telling me it's made of popular. The youth that are drooping, don't stop in us. The youth that are drooping, don't stop in us. But the health, wealth, social change. My fruits and veggies be off the chain. Want real food for real people. Gonna break your bread. Cafe, room money, real money, that's all I need. Get the green, black clean. Wanna make a hundred meals, we don't keep down the meals. Cause my people gotta eat. My people gotta eat. Grown food. Grown food. ASC got produce. ASC about to go cool.